gonna lie to you. It's just is it that that shelf is leaning so far that it's. I mean, don't even look at it. <laughs> if you look at it, it's gonna. Yeah, fall. I noticed a couple of them were on the floor. Like uh, Loki is no longer. So what happened? I mean, Loki decided to take a dive. He was having a bad day. You know, Deadpool was talking shit, and Ruby wasn't giving him any love, so he decided to Ruby? take Who's take a jump Ruby? for it. You know, Ruby pops Ash and the Evil Dead over here. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He was, he was trying to spit that action, and she wasn't about that action, so he he decided to get on down the road. Okay. But yeah, it's dangerously close to falling over, and you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. All my pops are gonna die. We're living life on the edge, as are they. It's 2021. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So I'm going to move my Batman Beyond one. <laughs> I'll just fix it. It's not a big deal. Because I'm kind of worried about him. Which one? This guy? Yeah. Problem solved. Thank you. The rest of them I don't really give a fuck about. That's the only one I really care about on that shelf. Yeah. The other shelves seem like they're hanging on. They are. They're doing well. Should we get started? Yeah. Well, the you know the studios are work in progress. Just kind of, we're just trying to figure it out. We've got the desk, the whole you know desk Continual flow thing setting up. Are you gonna glue that back on? I didn't. No, our our acoustic panels are falling off the walls. It's <laughs> uh, our podcast. You could say is in a state of disarray. As per usual. It's been you know it's been a while since we've given this any love, and so it's you can I get it. fine. Well, I, you know whoever is still downloading. The, yeah. the podcast without us releasing episodes. We are internally grateful for you. That's super cool to see. And it's a quarterly podcast. <laughs> that's what they, people have been telling us. But Except it's not even quarterly at this point. No. Um, I promise at, we'll at this be better point, at this. The last time we, uh, no, we won't. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. The last no. time we, so it's almost our wedding anniversary, our anniversary. Mm-hmm. And the last time we did a podcast was in April, which is our other wedding anniversary. So we're hitting our anniversaries. That's okay. And it's good that we have so two anniversaries we have for that two reason. Wedding anniversaries. So you guys are guaranteed at least two episodes a year. You're welcome. And we hit both of them this year. Yes, we did. Goals. So team in on that one. <sighs> so let's get started. We're talking about This is a Robbery, which is a documentary on Netflix. And we're going to talk about the first episode. I don't know if it was actually called this. They looked like cops, but that's what I titled it. So it's possible that they called it that, or it's possible that's just what I called it. I'm not really sure. I mean, they did kind of look like cops. That is the whole, the whole like foundation. Correct. That they had a fake police car and they were dressed up as fake Boston cops. Yep. Uh, do you want to do what you do and give a summary? I mean, basically, there's like a bunch of these paintings, right? And then there was this guy that was sitting behind the desk, and he's your typical security guy. You know, this was the early 2000s, 90s, whoever. It's a long time ago. Anyway, point is, is that they didn't have like real security, and this guy um, let somebody in. In theory, that is what they heavily uh, imply, and uh, it's going to be a really interesting story because it's the Rembrandt who is big in the art world, only drew one seascape or painted one seascape. And uh, that one, that was stolen. And it's some some legit, like, Sean Connery entrapment 
crazy art thievery going on. So take it back. Okay, so it was robbery at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in uh, Boston, Massachusetts on St. Patrick's Day in 1990. It's Boston's biggest unsolved mystery. Although they pretty much like now think they've solved it, but they can never prove it. They've never recovered any of the art. Um, there's a bunch of paintings stolen. Interesting. That what do you mean they pretty much think that they can prove it? I guess we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I've got questions. So I I guess let's start with have you before watching this as the true crime aficionado I am and the not gives a fuck about true crime that you are. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of this before watching this? Uh no. I didn't. Even in like pop culture? Nope. Not in any TV shows that you've ever watched. No. Not even a frame of reference. No, because when I was when I was a kid and growing up into many of my twenties, I was kind of a jock in the in the sense that I didn't pay attention to like art and culture and things like that. That's interesting because this is referenced in like a bunch of TV shows. Like I think it was even referenced in like freaking nine hundred two one zero at one point. So. I've heard of this a million times over. I mean, I've listened to full-length podcasts about this. And interestingly enough, because I am big into true crime, I loved this one TV show called White Collar. White Collar was based on... It's not a great show, as most of the things <laughs> I like aren't. <laughs> I'm not well, going to say it was no good. No comment there. Uh, but White Collar used to be on USA Network and it used to be like at 9 o'clock at night it would be White Collar and 10 o'clock it would be Burn Notice which is also not a great show but I like both of them. I've made you watch a couple episodes of Burn Notice. Absolutely you did. But yeah, so White Collar was based on a character quote unquote who was arrested for art crimes and then was turned into an FBI informant who was taken out of jail because he was like one of the only people that could help solve art crimes. Hmm. And I watched the show enough to like be like, is this like rooted in any sense of reality? It's probably not. Lo and behold, the guy who was like the main consultant on that show right. was part of the game. task force that was okay. built based on this robbery. Because before this robbery in 1990, the FBI had no way to handle art crimes. Interesting. They had no task force. They had no way to track him. It was just kind of like, meh. No one knows. No one cares. Art crimes aren't like a thing in the U.S. Yeah. But I saw a TikTok conspiracy the other day um, where... Where all conspiracies live and die. Where all conspiracies live and die. and are And are monitored. But they... This one, the whole the whole thing was about how the entire art industry is just a is just a giant sham that is a Correct. like like place to launder your money because Absolutely. if I can draw a stick figure on a napkin and charge you a million dollars for it, you can pay me the million bucks and then I can write it off and then you can write it off in your taxes. That's not even a conspiracy ways, theory. That's just like, facts. That's it makes complete sense because it feels totally arbitrary what people decide is art and what is it not that there's not that i'm judging again i spent most of my life as as a jock and not looking into the artistic endeavors but have become more well-rounded and cultured and focused in that area so that's just always kind of been my 
I just found that interesting, I guess I should say. You're right, by the way. But anyway, so that... Also, there's been a Leverage episode based on this. So you have seen the Leverage episode. I'm right. You're just... Say it again. <laughs> no. He is so giddy right now. I wish I had a camera. I'm right. Um, she said it. It's documented. I can always cut it out. Nah, fam. Anyway, going back to what I was saying, because it's significantly more important. <laughs> than me being right? What What is more important than that? So... The white collar TV show was, uh, which is a great show again, was based on this guy's career with the FBI, who was a real FBI agent. And he wrote a book and it was called Priceless, How I Went Undercover to Rescue the World's Stolen Treasures, Mm -hmm. which is also a really good book. So I read that book and I think everyone else should too. But it actually talks a lot about this rivalry. Because that was like one of his first cases, and he could never solve it. Solve it. So it was really interesting. And yeah. Um, also, in this documentary, they talked a lot about Boston Latin School because I guess a lot of the people that worked at the Isabella Gardner Museum, because they were all just like stone teenagers, right. went to Boston Latin School. Do you know anything about Boston Latin School? I don't. I do not, actually. So it's college a with a bunch of kids who went to Boston Latin School. It was supposed to be like one of the premier schools in the country and um they're all just like the most obnoxious people and if you went to boston latin school i'm sorry but like everyone i met was a giant douche shots fired and uh they're all very smart but they were all just like but i went to boston latin school and i was like yeah i'm from california that means nothing west coast and they were like you've never heard of it and i was like california west coast is the best coast better than the rest coast yeah, they were not too pleased that I had never heard of their dumb school. I'm never going to do that again, by the way. I don't think you should. <laughs> uh. um, so what did you think? It, it's interesting because the way that I watched this documentary was from my experience as a security professional. Yeah, I was wondering about that. So it was that was kind of what stuck out to me. So I'm... I'm interested to hear kind of what your thought about the general um, heist and the general like mechanics of the crime was because so, I, I, I just got so focused on the security that it just it, that I couldn't pull myself off of it. Like I couldn't tell you a specific painting that was stolen except for um, the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee. So I watched it from like a true crime like how the police going to fuck this up kind of thing, which they, they did. Uh, and it's like, okay, the dude who got like duct tape all over his face is not the guy who stole all the stuff. No. Like stop focusing so much on him. He He's prob- a patsy. Exactly. He's a complete patsy. Like one, yes, he probably didn't want to admit to you when weed is very much illegal in Boston, Massachusetts and cops very much can just make you disappear because they're all mob collect, you know, connected mm-hmm. does not want to admit to you how high he was. And yes, he probably did trip that alarm by accident because he was smoking in the museum. Well, to be honest with you, any physical security guard that is sitting at a desk or doing rounds is going to be high on one substance or another and or asleep at some point in time during their shift. And he was probably all three. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, it, it's very likely because also case. he's a high school student or like early college student. Like it's no, he just, was a he was a college student. He he played right. He played like bass or something in a, co- in, a in, in a band or something. He was definitely like at the very least he still was a, drunk. He was a total deadhead. Is really who is that was the kind of click and the kind of vibe because his house that he that he rented with his I guess quote unquote bandmates was right. like a party house that they bought just. Or that they rented just so that they can put on concerts and throw like these massive parties, so that was his scene, and you know you kind of get the image of the dude going from here. And just like the way he was tied up, all I could think about is like his hair, like his poor hair, like if he was actually involved in it. I know there's it was no so, way somebody he would allow that to happen to his hair. Somebody Google a picture of this guy because it it's it like. He had so much hair, and it was wrapped in so many random ways around his face and with duct the duct tape. tape. It was just like it, it looks so painful. I mean, dude, fuck painful. It sounded. It just looked like amateur hour, is really what it looked like. Like, why would you do? Why would you go around the chin vertically and then go horizontally around the forehead in the eyes, like that? I don't like. And then you tie it, they duct taped his hands behind his back. Everything about the crime for me was like very much like amateur hour mixed with the professional. Yeah. So it was just like there was definitely one dude who knew what he was doing and one dude who didn't. There was a mechanic and then there was there and, was the Patsy. Right. Is kind of the But it, the Patsy was not the dude who got tied up. Like, <laughs> like But if the if the dude that got tied up because the dude that got tied up, so the way that they they started this this you know documentary is there were these two college students walking down the street given one given a piggyback ride to another right. and they walked past a car that they thought had, was a cop that car. they thought was a cop car or no they thought it, it was just a car with two people sitting in it dressed and then they dre- they were yeah. dressed up as cops and they walked by and then just kept going but that guy that went out of the normal protocol opened when he he finished his rounds for the day went and opened the door door. to the outside and closed it right opened and closed it within a 30 second ish time frame which in all indication doesn't take a scientist to view that as a signal of some sort and then there's other parts of the crime that connect him to it. So I think that he's a little bit more than a patsy, but I think that he's more more or less just a patsy altogether. But I do think that there's like a hardcore mechanic at play. But it also showed that he like did that almost every shift. So it was like, okay. He did that every shift? Oh, maybe that was in the second episode. Like they found like something... Because I ended up watching most of the series, but like also weirdly, I kept falling asleep through it. Yeah, I binged it over about a day or day and change. Yeah, we kept we watched this a long time ago and then just tried to rewatch it. But yeah, he ended up like doing that all the time, so it wasn't abnormal for him. And they're like, oh yeah, and he used to like go out and smoke and like, but also, it kind of sounded like he might like let a friend in or be quote-unquote buying something right and so let's let's set up the scene a little bit for the night 
Right. So. But there was also like mob shit and like other shit. And like, it just doesn't make sense to be any of the people that actually work there. I mean, somebody that worked there had to be involved in one way, shape or form or another. Really? Because their security was so bad. That, that too. So essentially what, what was going on was the night of St. Patrick's day. And also that everybody was out. Everybody was out drunk. It was a sleepy town to begin with, but everybody was in town getting wasted and it's not sleepy. It's Boston. Well, I mean, it was a sleepy (laughs) part of Boston where there wasn't that much crime and this really freaking nice old mansion that this, that this rich lady owned uh, and turned into a museum, um, got broken into. Right. But what the guy was doing his rounds and was the last person to be of the security system to be registered as moving within the room of the Rembrandt in question. Right. And he did it within 15 minutes of the start of the crime. So there's a really heavy, you know, indication that it was that he, it's just the most logical thing. Like besides all the evidence, having seen the entire documentary, the most logical thing is that he had some, some role to play in the entire thing, because they also say that there, there was a time where the 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 painting was either taken off of the wall beforehand or it was taken off of the wall while they were while they were tied up but nobody moved within that room at all and except for the security guard in question that they know of cuz here's the thing there's it's so it's in 81 minutes there's secret doors they have no VHS tape, and they took the printer data. Yeah, but the printer data that they had was, they took they took the printer printout, but the printer data still had a hard drive that they were able to download that data on, off of. Even though they took like the paper printout of it, yeah. they were still able to download the rest of the data that was saved on, on the machine, so. Yeah. I don't know. You just had that one dude who like claimed he did it, and he was just like, "Nah." The like the art, the art thief, yeah, the, the big time, the little dude, the, the little rocker dude. I mean, that guy. Yeah, it was funny. He totally it was funny, and he he totally seems like a like a little slimy thief. Well, I mean, he was. He went to jail for like twenty times for it. Yeah. I don't know. It all it was all definitely like the the crazy thing is that nothing has ever been recovered. It is. And nothing's ever, like, not even recovered, but, like, nothing's ever really been heard from. And the interesting part about it, too, like, that I, if I'm investigating, what was, what I found interesting is that some of the paintings were done, were taken off and stolen really professionally. And some were not. And some were not. Like, some were just crude, like, I'm just going to take a pocket knife and slash through it and just take off the main chunk of the painting that matters. And the the 
other items that they took other than the obvious paintings that you would want to steal in that situation was like completely random and arbitrary and all in all, not even all that worth much, not, not even worth all that much. Yeah. That's why I like, you kind of think that like there was one dude who knew what he was doing, one dude who didn't, if there was more than like three of two or three of them. You think one dude just decided to get a side score on his way out the door? That make that could be. Could I don't know if it's sense. that as much as it was like there was one dude with a list, right? Like the dude in charge had a list of like I've been sent here to steal X, Y, and Z. Right. And then the other dude was just like, get what the fuck you want. Like I have what we what we're here for. Right. This is what we're actually like being told to do for our quote unquote job. Right. And this is just and your everything bonus else score. is just like no one cares. Right. But none of it has ever surfaced again. No. So. It's or they were all, like when they went to go deliver it to whoever paid them, they were all just killed, straight up. Could be that it could have all like also could have been just been destroyed, too. I don't think so. No one destroys people who pay for that kind of shit. Don't destroy that kind of shit. But think about how many people there are in the world, and then think about how many people there are that are that big of a fanatic of art, and then think about how many people can afford to be that big of a th- fanatic about art. It's not a long list. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's like one of those things where the Forbes list of the richest people in the world isn't actually the real richest people in the world because it's just the reported wealth of the individuals that file their tax return to be on the list. Right. So, like, you know, there's that whole oligarch thing, which they also allude to. What do you think? I don't know. It's all nuts. But um, I just want to know why... I totally clocked that that one dude who stole all those paintings, who seemed like a douchebag, uh-huh. his name was Miles Connor, apparently, yep. was A, a douchebag. Yes. And B, you totally clocked him as like owning big cats and then showed him owning big cats. Oh, no shit. You're just like, of course you do. Yeah. I mean, that's not even a surprise at all. He's like a, he's like a low rent. I mean, how do you get more low rent than Joe Exotic? But he's basically... You know, they're, they're same, same thing same, same thing he same was a rock jerk person that like the, the thief was a rocker who apparently had some talent and could have done something with it but decided he would rather be a thief i mean there's so many connections there it's it's kind of insane so what what about this show surprised you or what about this documentary surprised you the most because i know that you knew a little bit about it before beforehand well one of the things that surprised me is even though i've known a lot about it or you know i knew i'm not a lot i guess i should say like i've listened to a lot of things about it i've never actually seen it before so like most of the things i've listened to right like i've heard the stories about it. i've i've heard the that it's never been solved that there's been like all these important pieces that it's the biggest art heist and for whatever reason i never googled the museum right so seeing it and being able to see the way it laid out and how beautiful the museum was and like seeing where it was in boston and seeing the exterior of it that was interesting to me and one of the things we have this place in in la called the huntington museum and uh gardens Mm -hmm. and it to me reminded me of the house the huntington house that's a good Good call. And that's one of my favorite places in L.A. If you ever come out to L.A., you should go see that. It's a very underrated museum that no one really goes to. 
Even but the locals. You should definitely check that place out. It is pretty sweet. The grounds of the Huntington Museum are gigantic. It has like 10 different types of gardens and all these different, you know, you, there's a cactus garden, a Shakespeare garden, all these different gardens. But the house itself that um, is often closed, but sometimes is open, the Gardner Museum house reminded me of the Huntington house. Yeah. And so it was just interesting to me because I was like, oh, my God, it's like the Huntington Museum. Like, that's dope. I love that place. So that was kind of cool for, for me. I was like, oh, that's what that's like. But I couldn't, couldn't imagine them putting teenagers in charge of the works of art in the Huntington. That's, that's... Like, that's insane to me. And it's the same type of story, right? Like, the Huntington Museum was left to the city under the condition that it goes untouched right you can't turn it into anything else it has to be preserved and as well gardener did the same thing it has to be preserved as a museum and kept for that right so and here's and here's the thing about it too is that the security system is only as good as the the people people. that use it and the people you put in charge of it yeah so they they had tampering alarms on the Rembrandt. But they the first thing that they did when they walked in the door was to tie up the security guard. And so while the tamper alarm was going off, they stayed for like twenty minutes working on that working on it while it was going off. The security desk itself had a button, a panic alarm, a silent panic alarm which is still standard in most museums museums and, and commercial businesses today. And that went untouched. They had cameras, but back then it wasn't like a computer network, so there wasn't right. any like cloud or anything. So it was just VHS tapes. So that got those got stolen and that's it. You yeah. know, that's more or less it. The the thing that surprised me the most is that at no point in time was there ever any like emergency dispatch to 911 except for the next day right because they were that that's 12 hours no it happened in the middle of the night they found it in the morning so it was like 8 hours it was like 8 or 9 hours later right that the police were notified and it was only, they were only notified because somebody didn't show up to work that day. And so the director had to go in and unlock the door to let people in or no, it was the security shift. The security guards didn't come to let the people in. So they had to call the director and then the director had to come down and then everything kind of unraveled from there. And then they like, when the director and the the next security guard came in, they touched everything, making all the samples worthless. Right. And so it, it was just a calamity of errors, which means that they didn't have a plan, right? There wasn't a valid security plan. And as a security professional, I'm going to get on my soapbox, give me like the next 15 <laughs> seconds here, okay? Like security is there for a reason, right? If you don't have a plan on how to mitigate certain security issues, you're just vulnerable and you're just a accident waiting to happen in one way or another. I've heard of people having walking into work with guns and threatening employees. I've heard of people, you know, 
burning up entire server rooms because they were disgruntled. I've heard of people getting hands cut off. All these different things that happen, but there aren't any plans really to mitigate it. And it's not a priority. Right. So when you have assets or you have insurance companies that it's just write it off, write it off as a loss. These types of events and these types of things tend to happen. And they're usually the most catastrophic at the most inopportune times. And so that's it. You know, change your passwords. <laughs> change your passwords. Change your passwords. But I don't know. It it was there was so many security measures in place that just went bypassed that I think it's it's uh it makes me it kind of makes you question like why have security at all? Well, I mean, not not extreme, but you know what I'm trying to say? Well, I think that was the problem. Was like it was such a low key museum that they were just like Oh, nothing's happened here. Nothing will happen. Everything's fine. And it was like, it's not. You have priceless works of. You don't get to play that game. You can play that game on a blockbuster. Or like, granted, blockbusters don't exist, right? But like, yeah. it's something that like low level like that. Like, <laughs> for example, well, we went to a T-Mobile store recently, and we were talking about a specific phone that I am quite the fan of. And I was telling Bryant, well, I guess I can't get that phone anymore because T-Mobile must not carry it because there was none on display. And the lady goes, oh, what kind of phone are you looking for? And I was like, oh, I'm looking for, I'm just going to wrap myself out here. I'm looking for the Google phone. I really like the Google phones. My husband wanted me to get nothing, an iPhone. Nothing wrong with the Google phone. I'm not on either side. I got the iPhone. I hate it. I want to switch back. But you should. I guess you guys don't carry them and she goes oh no we just got robbed again and i'm like again well she that's goes, oh yeah we get robbed like twice a week they take the phones it's fine but it's very she high said risk that, they, that the cops call and say do you want your phones back and she's like no mm -mm. thank you no we're, but we're now fine. you know what's interesting since we're on since we're on the you know limit let's geek out a bit on on security because you guys should know that if you it, if you steal a TV that is a smart device. The company that makes that device has the ability this, by the way, to brick it. Not and an advertisement for anyone to go out and steal things. It's not. It's not. It's actually or encouragement. It's actually the opposite. Because you go out and you put your neck on the line stealing something, and then the manufacturer Samsung, let's say you steal a Samsung TV from Best Buy. You connect it to your internet. It'll only work for two years. <laughs> That's another story. But Samsung can get the serial number of that device because once you connect it, it registers with Samsung's database. And they have the power to shut that off because there isn't a receipt tied to that serial number. Hmm. So... The, comp the manufacturers themselves, because everything is smart connected enabled. and smart enabled, are taking it upon themselves to deter the theft. Because if you, have a, if you just have a bricked TV, what good is it to you? Not very. It's not. We're living through that right now. And it's, it's, 
it's it's legitimately painful. Like the vibe in the house is a little bit kind of topsy turvy and a little weird because we didn't steal it. It just decided to not wake up one day. Yeah, it died, and it's not a comfortable death. But it's rest 80, in peace. It's eighty-two inches of nothing. It's the best thing I've ever bought as an adult. Don't let anybody tell you any different. I love that died. damn TV, and then it died. We're we're having a grieving process here in the in our household. It's uh, it's a palpable vibe. So, do you know how fun it is to sit on your couch and watch TV on a thirteen inch screen when you have an eighty two inch screen that doesn't turn on? Your entire backdrop of whatever you're watching is just a giant black square with a little twelve inch rectangle. To actually view it on. It's literally fucking hell on earth. You know what it's like? It's like those TVs from back in the day that are like great grandparents or grandparents had. Where it was like a massive TV with a really small screen that you would sit across the room. And everybody would lean in real close to try and see what it was. That's kind of what it feels like. Rest in peace. Anyway. Fucking Samsung. what, um, What other questions or what other things do you... You have about this one. I don't know. I think that's it. Um, no comments or concerns or the accents were giving me life. I live for a good Boston, yeah, the New York accent. They make me happy on <laughs> my cold dead heart. Um, I I just love it. It it makes me feel like I'm back east again, and it just makes me want to go get like a really good bagel. Yeah, it makes me so happy. But yeah, uh, I think the series is definitely worth watching. It's a good little rabbit hole. And then go watch a couple episodes like White Collar and learn about art fraud and forgeries and stuff. And don't take White Collar at like face value of being real or anything, you know, because it's obviously not. But it's still a really good show. Um, I think we should review an episode of White Collar. That's where I was going with. Sure. I have an idea of what we should do next. But... I do as well. I I think uh, it's a really good series and that people should watch it. It's been out for a minute, so people probably have watched it. But if you haven't, check it out for check sure. It out. It's it kind of like think of it as like Ocean's Twelve, not Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Twelve, where they steal the piece of art, and it's Julia Roberts, and they're in think Italy. That was Ocean's Thirteen. Okay, think of it as Ocean's Thirteen. It's a great story it's, and it's true and it's true and there's kind of there's a lot of question marks where you're going to want to do some sleuthing you're going to want to get on your google and you're going to want to do your thing because you're going to have more questions you're going to have answers and i hope eventually one day if they do legitimately solve this crime i mean it's kind of irrelevant but if like the paintings resurface it there would be a great follow-up documentary to be made well, they've already kind of decided that they've solved it. They've decided that they're fairly... So where are the paintings? Well, they've decided that they f- they're they fairly certain who it is, but all the people they think stole the paintings are dead now. That's the problem. The three or four people that you think are responsible for the paintings gone missing, they were all mob guys. They're all dead. So... So it really could be Russian oligarchs that... Have the paintings. Have the paintings. Because they, they think it's like these three mob guys that had that stole the paintings and all three of them are dead. How funny would it be if Russia had them and they're like, Yeah, we have them in our we have them in our museum. Like they're no. they're just chilling here, you stupid. 
No, they're like all in Putin's office. Or or <laughs> what's that Russian mob guy that's on Family of the Mafia? I don't know. Boris. Uh, oh, what's don't it? don't call him out. Don't bring Putin's powers down on top of it. Boris head. Nayfield, the guy that's on Family of the Mafia. Oh yeah, it's him. He's okay, got, he's got them all. I'm just kidding. I <laughs> no, don't I'm just, know. I'm just. I don't want that you. dude to come after me. He is scary as hell. If you want to watch Families of the Mafia and watch this dude, the new, the newest guy on Families of the Mafia from Russia, who like went to jail or, or was supposed to go to jail in America, and then was like, you know what? How about I serve my time in Russia? And America was like, so all gangster. right. And then I think he just like went and chilled in Russia. Until his probation was up. And then he was like, I'm coming home. And his family is like, please don't. Yeah, don't, dude. We have lives. and It's peaceful. Yeah. And then this season he's coming home. And it's on film. So it's a real interesting season of Families of the Mafia. If you want to check that show out, too. Speaking of shows, do you want to move into recommendations? Sure. What do you got? I don't know. You moved our whiteboard that had all my recommendations on it. But, um... I'm pretty sure I've recommended this before, but Equalizer was a great season, first season. And season two is coming back in a hot minute. It'll be back in like the beginning of October. So if we did not watch season one, definitely catch up on that and get ready for season two because that's great. Real Housewives season uh, Salt of Salt Lake City just started their second season, which is insane because Jen Shaw is going to jail. Ooh, girl. Uh, well, you know, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly going, going to jail. Allegedly going to jail. She's probably going to jail she's very much going to jail yeah her number two just turned on her and she fired all of her attorneys it's not looking great and also she can't get off the internet girl in trouble yeah dude allegedly she allegedly in trouble not a good look yeah she really needs to get off the internet twitter's not your friend when you're like under indictment by the federal government when you got arrested by the department of homeland security on tv get off twitter Every time I hear anybody talking about any case at all that they're involved in, I'm like, why? Well, I don't want to hear this. I don't want you to because you, Stop it. you're legitimately putting your case in jeopardy, even telling me this. And I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't really care all that much. But, yeah, her, but dude, her if Erica you're telling Jane, me, you're telling other people, which means shut the fuck up and let your lawyer handle it. Her and it. Erica Jane need to stop tweeting. And then they're like retweeting each other and being like, I got you, girl. And it's like, both of you are going to put yourselves in jail. Please stop. You were not wrong. They're not wrong. They're dumb. It's it's, it's a dumb, awful. It's a terrible situation. I mean, it's great to watch, but like you do feel for them because you're just like, please stop. Protect yourselves. Like yeah. the Fifth Amendment is a thing for real. Those things that are called amendments are not just like suggestions. Like they're legit rules that you can follow that have to be respected by the people at power. But like you power. have to follow them too. So they if it do. says shut the fuck up, you shut should the shut up. the fuck up. Um, what are your recommendations? So today I watched a really good documentary on Netflix called Untold True Crime or True Crime Stories. And this one in particular was about the, um, the thrashers or trashers. I forget the Newsberry New Haven trashers. What the hell? It's, uh, it's uh it's a good one. Anyway, it's about a dude that bought a hockey team for his son and his son was seventeen years old and turned it into Is that the show that you wanted to cover? It was the show that I want to cover and I it's hope that we do cover it. Nope, because it's because it's new. Um, but it's really, really good. The Dansbury Trashers. 
So the whole... The, well, we're going to cover it. Don't talk about it. Okay. So the Danbury Trashers, great documentary. Check it out. We'll probably cover it if I can talk Leah into, um, into letting me or letting us cover it. So the other show that I wanted to recommend was um, Titans Came Back. It's now on HBO Max, so more people can watch it. It's not that great this season, and it really screws up all of my like beloved DC characters, but like everybody should watch it so that they can get some more airtime. And Kung Fu, which finished its first season on the CW, was so, 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 so good. So you should go and watch that. It was that good? It was so good. Damn. I've been really getting into um oh and lula rich which is a documentary about lula Rowe on amazon prime everybody should watch that because mlms are bad okay my turn no okay so i really like abstract the art of design it's another netflix show pretty freaking good check it out if you're like interested in, now we know what you did in today. the art stuff i mean it's not all that i did but it was did you it's part of it Never mind. What? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, so check that out. Um, also, All American, great season, great show altogether. Um, Netflix, How to Be a Cowboy, funny show. You know, you guys, I, it's it's a funny show. I enjoyed it. It uh, take it for what it's worth at face value. Um, Letter Kenny. No, Letterkenny is stupid. Letterkenny is hilarious. So Check bad. it out. Oh, um, United States of Al. United States of Al is really good. That is such a good heartwarming show. I mean, yeah, it's it's a good and, one. And it got picked up for a season two. So good. Um, there was another show that we binge watched while Sam was here. I'm Do not... you remember? You were watching it with us. I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked. Um, I've rewatched some of Friday Night Lights. Started Never that from the beginning. That. that was a good show. Texas football, awesome. Um, anyway, check it out. Send us a send us a comment. Make sure you subscribe. We're gonna do this more. I mean, we're planning another episode, and. If you guys have any recommendations, let us know. It's kind of interesting that people still actually listen to our show. It's kind of humbling at the same time, too. It blows my mind. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. Thank you. And legitimately reach out because we're real people that would love to love to connect. You can also email us at mademewatch at gmail.com. Or uh, I run our Twitter account, which I tweet bad TV all the time from. I recently was watching the Lula Rich documentary and live tweeted that. And then I live tweet a lot of Bachelor in Paradise because why not? It's an awful TV show that nobody should watch, but I do, unfortunately. I do not recommend watching it. It's awful. It's really not good this season. Uh, so don't tune in. That's unfortunate. But you got to watch something, right? For sure. Yeah. Well. Uh, we've also talked about watching like Loki and some of the Disney plus Marvel shows because I'm a huge comic book nerd and I make Bryant watch comic book stuff. So She does. And it's okay because I enjoy it. But I pretend not to because that's my role as. Uh, oh, 90 Day Fiance is back with some shit. 90 Day Fiance is back. 
Um, it's everything that you would think that it is with throwing some COVID. We um, really which need is to get new people. What we all need to see. Um, yeah, please stop making spinoffs for the same people to be recycled over and over again. Unless the talent pool of people that are looking for overseas um, love interests. There's a new are guy that small? Oh. Named Steven, and he's so weird. Huh. He's a Mormon. Okay. Who, like, has to tell his fiance that, like, he actually has previously had sexual relations, but he's making her wait. And he's so awkward. And the way that his family describes him is hilarious because they're like, well, that's just Steven. That's so funny. So, like, they're just not wanting to call him weird. But, but he's he just, <laughs> he just, he's just a weird guy. He's an awkward turtle. Sure. Another, my favorite, actually, my all time favorite thing that I'm watching. And I'm sad that I've binged all the way through. Is Formula One Drive to Survive? It's uh, it follows Formula One drivers throughout the various Formula One seasons, all the way up till last season, and they're filming right now. It is um, super intense. Watch it with headphones. It sounds really good, and is amazing uh, in car footage. If you like that kind of thing, highly recommend. Ten out of ten, must watch. Anything else? Yeah, no, I'm going to be unemployed soon, so I'm going to be watching one. TV. Oh, Thanks, Jesus bye. Christ. <laughs> well, I don't even know. Has, has it been real? <laughs> has it been fun? Has it been real fun? We'll never know. Okay, bye-bye.